Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Second Skin, teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and directed by Les Lando. This episode aired on October 24th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, Kira is kidnapped by the Cardassians who try to convince her that she is really one of them. This? That is a wild plot. Because, like, if anyone was going to be pissed about being a Cardassian, <laughs> it would be Kira. Well, Kira or Miles. And That's fun fact, fair. the original idea for this episode was Miles was going to be the deep color, deep undercover Cardassian operative. I did not. But then know they that. realized. Then they realized. Oh wait, why would Keiko and Miles have a fully human child if he's secretly <laughs> been a Cardassian this whole time? And so then they pivoted to Kira. That is a really funny reason to change it. Um, I love that. <laughs> they would like have to make some real intricate like story about how Molly is like fake or something <laughs> to make that work. Um, I did not remember this episode, except I, for some reason, remember the cold opening where Kira and Zax are, like, gonna go hang out in the hollow suite, and Kira is all judgy about it. Um, yeah, it's just, I really, I really thought that was also a funny way to start the episode, because Kira's face was changed for most of the episode, and it just felt like it was almost like a hollow sweet episode without actually being a hollow sweet episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's did like when you saw the Na Visitor in the Klingon or not the Kling, the Klingon, excuse me. <laughs> the, the Cardassian makeup. Mm-hmm. Did like that ring any bells for you as you got later in the episode? No, or, like, I like you really totally didn't, you remember. didn't remember this one. I at didn't all? remember I didn't remember the twist. I didn't remember any of it. I really only remembered that Dax and Kira had a hollow sweet date and that Kira was like, they were basically going to an escape room and Kira was like, this shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get germs. What are you, what are you making me do? Um, but yeah, no, I really didn't remember that any, the rest of it. Um, I was, <laughs> although like I definitely was watching this episode like and joking to myself oh so this is what gaslighting is right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that like much like i think there were some really interesting themes of trauma and our mind and our body's responses to to trauma in last up the last episode we covered equilibrium i do think there was some interesting things we could talk about in terms of body dysmorphia in Mm. this in this episode as as well when kira her her belief in that you know is this her body isn't this her body like when she doesn't when she starts to kind of become unsure and start to feel like um more unstuck in what is what is real and and what is not and you know particularly after she sees like that video of herself that spoiler alert obviously has well, maybe it wasn't doctored. Maybe that was the really the real probably was a video of the real Ileana Gamore. Um, 
of course, we assume you've watched this episode already. Spoilers um, for the episode that we're covering um, that they used and just Ileana just looks that much like Nana Visitor, I guess, or that much like Kira. Um, <laughs> I have a secret to tell you. <laughs> yes. What's that? It is Nana Visitor. Oh, wait, Star Trek's not real? These aren't historical documents? Um, I'm leaving. Why are we spending so much time talking about this if this is all fake and made up? Because we like each other, and we like talking about it. <laughs> uh, that's true, that's true. So did you enjoy the episode? At least did, enjoyed... you, did you like it? So I enjoyed the episode the first two times I watched it, and then... I watched it three times this time only because um, some scheduling things and we had to um, postpone when we were recording this. So I, we were prepped and then I was, uh, I had not forgotten it, but like forgotten it. So I was like, I gotta do this again. Um, the third time I was like real bored the whole time until the twist. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that part. And then... I was into it again. So I think overall, yes, but there were parts, like, I was, like, over it. I was over the, like, cheer up of it all. I liked the idea that they would, like, do this to frame someone. Like, that, the spy shit was fun. Yeah, and, like, I think that this is an interesting episode, too, as, like, it kind of brings back, like, some of those through lines that we've encountered before in, in, previous seasons like this is the second episode that mentions the growing dissident movement in cardassia because we we've had that you know come to the station we're becoming more familiar of who and what the obsidian order is and kind of how who they are and, and how they operate so definitely i think we're seeing deep space nine kind of continue to flirt with this like more kind of serialized storytelling and kind of build on the ways in which the next generation started to tell these types of stories obviously ds9 um we know will become more serialized than kind of any of the other of its contemporary shows as it goes but it's i think it's a really strong episode in terms of both being like oh, this is a Kira episode. Mm -hmm. But then picking up and kind of continuing on those themes that build out the other world, that build out the world. And and then we also get some other kind of insights into Garrick's potential background or and things like that too, which again, having, you know, been through the series a couple times, it's like, oh yeah, this is the one where Garrick does this. But like, I try to as much as possible put myself more in that headspace where it's like, where Garrick is that full mystery to me and we're getting these like you know half truths and lies and you know what's true especially the lies sort of um moments revealed out there and i mean obviously Entek who cooked up the scheme to catch Tekiana Gamor with uh you know his his fake daughter as a as a kidnapped major Kira right obviously had history with Garrick and they got along until Garrick killed him in this episode so i one of the things I love, I love Garrick. I'm so excited every time he shows up. Um, I love how subtle he always is with Julian. Um, he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's very much like, he won't just ever come out and say anything. He has to be, he has to hint. So 
When he actually said that he had news about Kira, I was surprised he was, like, that direct about it. So forthcoming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it also felt like Garrick... It, Garrick knows that Julian cares about Kira, so Garrick is going to help. Like, that that's what it felt like to me. Like, it was, like, a line of, like, Garrick is friends with Julian, and Julian cares about all of his friends because Julian is a sweetheart baby. Um, whether or not Kira... It cares about him, too. No idea. But Julian cares about everyone. Um, so, like, it was just really sweet that Garrick helped him, like, help his friend. I really liked that. Um, I thought it was really funny that Cisco made Garrick go with, go with him to Cardassia, um, even though he'd been banned. So it was very, like, you knew he was going to run into someone. You knew he was going to see someone he knew. That was kind of... Um, yeah. A given. And we find, you know, as you said, he knew Entech and everything. Um, and I guess he knew, uh, like, the the other guy, too. Kira's fake dad or whatever. Yeah. Because um, she gives, yeah. he gives her that warning about Garrick at the end. Like, don't trust That's him. true. That's true. That's um, true. Which was kind of interesting. I thought it was really funny when, um... <clears throat> In attempt to get Garrick to go with him to Cardassia. Because Garrick's like, I can't go. I'm banned from there. And Cisco does the, like, well, maybe we'll work something out. I mean, some people aren't even happy you're on the station. And it just is, it reminded me of the pilot where Cisco kind of bribes Quark into staying on Deep Space Nine. Um, and, like, that kind of got brought up a couple weeks ago, too. Um, I don't remember if it was on the House of Quark episode where you weren't there, but the um, Cisco, you know, have, asking Quark to stay and everything. Um, so it just kind of was funny to watch Cisco, like, continue to try to make deals with um, people that could be adversaries, but he wants to u- utilize them for his own benefit. Or for the benefit of Starfleet, anyway. I don't think Cisco thinks just of himself. No, and and he's willing to use all of the tools in his toolbox, or all of, like the avenues available to him to further his goals. Right? Yeah. Like, yep. That's that's something very, very Cisco. Um, also, interesting to note, kind of before we kind of talk in you know, kind of go through the, the plot in, in greater detail. Um, Nana Visitor suffers from claustrophobia and Grace greatly disliked wearing the Cardassian makeup for this episode, which, of course, ar- required her to arrive to be in the makeup chair at one thirty or sorry, excuse me, yeah, one thirty a.m. each morning to Jeez. have the multiple hours-long application to be ready for shooting. And after a particularly long day, a 20-hour day of shooting, she told Les Landu, the director, that she had to get out of the makeup and they would be doing pickup shots the next day because her claustrophobia was too strong. Les Landau wanted to continue shooting a while longer, not great, Bob, and visitor to her credits began to physically remove the makeup on set and was like, no, I am done. This is my boundary. I am not working anymore. Thank you. My mental health is more important. We so, can. We, good, yeah, yeah. 
Also, not great that that Landau was like, no, 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 no. We'll just keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, it's like, that's no, really it's like the, the health of your actors is I'm kind of important. getting. I'm kind of almost feeling like panic attacky just hearing about that. Like thinking if I was in her shoes, that would be terrible. I also have a little bit of claustrophobia, so that would probably be difficult for me as well. Yeah, and like I can't. I can't imagine what it must feel like to have that type of like makeup on for like that long. Like what it like does, like, you know what I mean? And it's probably very heavy too. Like you're not like, and and hot and like, yeah. yeah. Mm. And like how like annoying would that be where it's like, again, so like Nana did this for this episode specifically, um, but, like, you have the characters who are in makeup all the time, like the Ferengi characters right. or even Odo. So it's, like, how much earlier every day were, were Armin and Renee and, like, you know, the other alien characters getting there to have their makeup on and then the human cast members just roll in four hours later with four more yeah. hours of rest and a coffee in hand and it's just, like, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I'm sure even doing Dax's makeup, depending on how clothed she was going to be in that episode, took a long time. And that was not even as much. Well, and that's why Michael Westmore, the like makeup designer, makeup artist, he would sign her spots. Like, It got to the point where they, he, they, she asked him to start signing his spots, so he would sign them every day because was, she was in the chair so long while he painted on the spots, right? Mm. <sighs> Lots of makeup. I'm thinking about the Bajoran nose makeup. That probably one. That one probably wasn't so horrible. No, it's probably a, a fairly by that standards like less extensive application. So, I I feel like if it was incredibly terrible, they couldn't have convinced Frank Langella to do it. <laughs> um, but that is you know. I almost just called him Frankie yeah. L for some reason. I mean, <laughs> Jersey baby. Yeah. Baby. It's called prosthetics tea. Um. <laughs> I don't know if you saw um, that one um, Instagram was posting all the pictures of like Tony Sirico when he was like younger <laughs> this weekend. Um, no, I didn't. And it was like, because there's this one photo from like a while ago. He's like on the beach. I don't remember what year it was, but he's, like, wearing pants because it was, like, quote-unquote olden times. Um, But, yeah, he was not unattractive. I think I know the picture. I didn't see it this time recently, but I feel like... It was, like, the same You and I have discussed that picture before. Yeah, I think so. Um, Us discussing a photo of someone from The Sopranos, I'm shocked. Yeah, no. That's that's definitely not something we do. (laughs) Um... Before getting into Kira, I kind of had a couple more things that I wanted to say about Garrick. Um, Please. So, like, we obviously know that, like, Garrick was a, you know, spy, possibly, because they'll never tell. Um, But, like, Garrick, like, Andrew Robinson is a great actor as Garrick, but, like, Garrick is a great actor in the show. Um, I love when he does spy shit and he's, like, kind of telling these people what's what but he's just bullshitting them and he's so good at it um 
So I was just thinking I would watch a spinoff of Garrick's spy career called The Tailor, which would have a similar tone to The Americans. Do you want to do you want to write that show with me? Ooh, maybe. I don't know. Like, would he be like undercover somewhere? Like, yeah, he like... would be undercover as a tailor, but he would be like. A oh, spy. so we're just doing Deep Space Nine then? No, but it would be like. Or are we? No. But like, it's out. It's from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Like the. Does Americans. someone have to pull his tooth out because he doesn't want to go see Julian because he broke his tooth on a spy mission? I haven't gotten that far yet. But you've seen it all, though, haven't you? Yes. Oh, no, I watched it before you. Yeah, no, okay. No, I was just playing along, and you just ruined it. Thank you. Well, I'm just worried I spoiled (laughs) you on something. One of the most, like, evocative scenes in the show. You have not spoiled Um, me on The Americans. I watched it before you did. Um, But, yeah. Sorry. No, this, this is all good. So Kira gets fucking kidnapped in this shit. <laughs> um, I love that it was like, hey, Kira, remember when you were at like Elmspur, the labor camp? <laughs> no, I do not remember that. I'm holding a phone up to my ear right now. I just need everyone to know that. Hey, I got to go check out this thing. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, wait, Kira never showed up. She's kidnapped yeah i i think that that's it was quite quite clever and quite well planned of the obsidian order like how they got kira in a position off the station where yeah. they, she could be like kidnapped and then surgically altered to appear cardassian right so they like yeah, falsified records che- yeah she's of course she's gonna go check that out like And not only did they falsify records, they had like a false witness that was mentioned there as well. Yeah, that that got disappeared. (laughs) Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Um, I really cannot imagine being Kira and like waking up with that Cardassian face. Um, like, yeah, that must have been so traumatizing. Hundred percent. And like, this is where. Sometimes, like, I feel like it's a little bit of, like, a be careful what I wish for, like, sort of situation where I kind of want this episode to explore that type of body dysmorphia more, right? And the feeling of, like, not belonging in, you know, what what you, your own... The, your own they, skin they do or, have or that whatever. one scene a little later where she, like, punches the mirror. Um... So at least, we, like, we do see her anger about it. Yeah, and I, and I guess, like, in fairness, too, this is a pretty, like, high drama, like, spy-adjacent plot. So maybe, like, they're like, well, well, like, yes, there would be some kind of dysmorphia going on here, but, you know, we also have these other, like, po- like political machinations. But yeah. then also, like, I feel like if they could have been, because it's 90s Star Trek, really ham fisty if they had like tried to have a, a very special episode on body dysmorphia um, yeah and it what it might have but, been a little too much for one episode too um with all yeah, the spy stuff um but it i mean it's always good when you have the time to go through different issues that your characters may be going through yeah um 
so the, so we meet this dude named Entech, and he is trying to he's with the Obsidian Order, and he's trying to convince Kira that she's actually this Cardassian named Ileana who was made Bajoran to like infiltrate the Resistance. And I'm just like, this guy is sus. Um, and upon the third, um, when I was watching for the third time. I realized something interesting, which kind of made me... I mean, obviously, I didn't think that this was, like... Because I didn't remember the episode. I didn't think Kira was, like, actually Cardassian. Um, But it was interesting to me that he was the only one that was, like, telling her information about what what she was doing, like, undercover or, like, what... There was that one scene where he, like, says a memory of hers or something, and she's like, how did you know that? And he's like, we put that in your brain or whatever. Like, everyone else, like, the the character, Legat, the guy that's her dad, supposed dad, like, he's Tachyana telling... Gamora. Yeah, like, he's telling her things from, like, maybe her childhood or whatever, but, like, the other guy is the only one who's trying to actually, like... I don't know if it's gaslighting. I always get like a little confused about the real definition of that. But he, it, that it feels to me like that's what he's doing. Entech or Gamora? No, because I think the yeah. dad legitimately, the dad legitimately thinks that's his daughter. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like the way that like I think Entech like, especially when Kira is so certain earlier on before she's been like has been broken down a bit more and like starts questioning um questioning the nature of her reality to invoke westworld mm-hmm. a show whose third season i didn't finish and fourth season is currently airing as of the I recording of this finished, podcast i never finished season one so fair enough that was probably my favorite season um but yeah like i i think it it definitely Probably fits more than a lot of people use that like definition of the word, um, because again, it has become <laughs> yeah, no, I want one of those be words tr- that people be... use incorrectly. But yeah, yeah, which is why I, I yeah. try to be so careful when I use that word. And I had recently watched the movie Gaslight, and that kind of helped a little bit with uh, the definition. Excellent movie, by the way. I think we brought it up on the episode where we were talking about our favorite noirs. But I had not seen it yet. Between that and then you watching the Rescue Rangers movie and getting oh. a really succinct definition of the Uncanny Valley, it's it's been a big year for you. <laughs> for <laughs> listeners, until I watched the Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers movie, which I genuinely loved, I really need to rewatch it. I was only pretending that I understood what Uncanny Valley meant. I did not understand. Um, and I'll be honest, since watching that movie, I've already forgotten what it means. So I got to watch the movie again. That is the one good thing about like watching things for me is that I don't always remember them. So it's like watching it again for the first time. Well, it's really like the best of both worlds with you on this podcast, right? Because on, on the Mad Men pod, there's two people that have seen it before. One person who hasn't, and then you're like the best of both worlds, right? You're like two yeah. hosts in one. Yeah. When I am on, when I am on your Mad Men podcast, though, I remember everything. It's like burned in my brain. Oh, you remember it better than I do. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, I've seen you've, it. You've seen times. it more than me, though. So. Yeah. yeah, you've seen it like I've seen Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, Pretty, oh, that's cute. 
what was I going to have a question for you? Do, do, yeah, do, do, you had a question. Right. Okay, I remember what it was. Yes. It wasn't derailing. No worries. No worries. So, Elise, I have no, a question I thought for I you. I derailed you. Sorry. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, Elise, so I have a question for you if you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready now. How did you feel about the portrayal of Legate Gamore, who is basically the target of this Obsidian Order operation that, that involves, you know, breaking down Kira and convincing her she's someone else, that she's this man's daughter and, and everything else? Um, before, uh, the, before, the re- sorry, before the reveal that he's part of the dissident movement, just when we know that he's like, one of the highest standing people in the Cardassian military central command as this, like basically one of the, the head fascists in the fascist Cardassian government um, being portrayed as such like a, like both kind fatherly figure. And I know it gets complicated with the whole, like, Oh, he's a dissident. So he's good. Like, and he's been the target at all. But I just wondered as you were watching it, the first couple times before remembering the reveal and everything else, if that elicited any specific feelings and how, if so, how you felt about that. I'm sure George W. Bush was a lovely father. Like, of course they're going to show this like person, part of some shitty regime as like a good father. Like it just feels, um, I, I will say until the twist, I really thought he was in on it, whatever was happening. Um, right. So I didn't trust him. Not that I trusted him later, but I. But we're supposed to trust him more than Entac, I think. That's true. Like at least originally, um, like they're like early on, like there's theoretically coming for like the same goals, but like it's not even a good cop bad cop thing. It's the more well patriarchal like fatherly like. I love you, you're my daughter, I miss you, like, thing, and then, like, protecting her as much as he can I still from intact. I still also felt like, while that might have been happening, I felt like he, even though he was in the whatever position he had in the government, I still felt like because Entek was part of the Obsidian Order, that Entek was more powerful than him. And I kind of felt like the father was, his arm was being twisted to act certain ways. Right. Right. And then after the twist, um, it kind of reminds me of like, like Bail Organa <laughs> a little bit, but not as likable. <laughs> Can you tell me more about that? Um, well, obviously, um, you know, this, this one season of um, the Kenobi uh, series, I don't know if that's something that's continuing or was a miniseries or whatever, just finished. And just the, um, you know, it was more like, you know, guy in the government who, like, obviously is with the rebels or the dissenters. That's all. It was, there was not, there was not a deep connection um mm. i wasn't even thinking like the the i mean i guess the dad you know the you know father of a daughter helped a little bit getting there but that's about it there wasn't like a deep process going on to get there 
so what you're saying is as the father of daughters i am uh, a agent a cog in this you know horrible regime but actually at night i'm working to change it from outside and inside the system as the father of daughters <laughs> is that that that's i'm yeah so yeah yeah they're they're trying to help but like you know they're not fighting the patriarchy or anything they're just like well i have a daughter so i you know i should care about this they're not just like oh humans or whatever species like we should care about them just because we care about them yeah and i thought like like kind of like the the snapshot into the widespread influence that we're kind of talking about here of, of the obsidian order being interesting where they put listening like devices in all of the homes and like you know the ways in which a lot of um civil liberties and like rights to privacy don't exist in cardassia but as a senior official he gets some of those things that other people don't get um so yeah it's i don't know not great cardassia i think it has problems I kind of, um, oh, so just, I mean, I think we can get into the ending of the episode if you're ready for that. Yep. Um, you know, Garrick and Sisko bust in with Odo. I, like, forgot Odo was there, um, to rescue Kira. And I love that Garrick says things like, treason, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) Um, which is, like, the vaguest shit even though it's on point (laughs) um i did like that they did throw in that like julian did a test on um kira sent out a 23andme uh dna test and came back 100 percent bajoran so that's good (laughs) what yeah and what's like interesting about very amused by my own joke (laughs) it's good it's good i i had a polite chortle inside my head um (laughs) sorry continue no but originally robert hurt wolf the the writer of the episode wanted bashir not to confirm confirm that kira was 100 percent bajoran based on her 23 and me results but that he couldn't confirm either way, whether she was a Cardassian replacement or the authentic Bajoran Kira, which would leave Kira permanently unsure of her original identity. Wolf felt this would emphasize that our identity is based on our experiences and who we have been and and who we have been, regardless of one's actual actions. Quote she has been Kira Nerys. She may not be the air quotes real Kira Nerys. She may be a replacement, but she's Kira Nerys now, and it doesn't matter. Your identity is who you are. It doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter whether it's true or a lie. If you've lived it long enough, it's true. However, this idea was dropped from the the original script, and this is a, a clip in the DVD special features. You can kind of remember they were their hidden files in the original DVD sets. So if you moved around your remote randomly on various screens, little things would highlight that weren't actual options on the menu and you get these little clips and, and tidbits, which is a very like two thousand and three ish era whenever the original DVDs <laughs> came out. Um sort of like special feature hidden special features thing. Yeah. And like 
I fully understand in the idea of like DS9 being a syndicated show that wasn't yet fully serialized like it will be in its final like 10 episodes in season 7 um where they wouldn't want to do that much of a like a drastic kind of addition or change to a character mm-hmm. I get it but like again I feel like this I hope this isn't like a a monkey's paw <laughs> type situation <laughs> um but the idea of like our our identities being able to be malleable and formed and not necessarily like who defined by the conditions of what what our birth was um combined with some of the body dysmorphia that Kira has when she wakes up after being surgically altered to be Cardassian a way that ties in like a little bit with the idea of identity and who we are and who we want to who we are who we present ourselves to be etc etc um i think is really interesting it would have been something i think i personally would have liked this episode to like more explicitly explore i understand again why they didn't and i think that this is a really strong episode as is and again i don't maybe the version of this episode that explores some of those issues more explicitly isn't good <laughs> because yeah. you know of, of the time and it's not going to be what i necessarily want it to be um but yeah i just think there's something like interesting there that they kind of left on the table yeah i can't i didn't think about it i'll be honest um until you brought it up but i would be really interested in seeing that kind of discussion and I like, and I know this is getting, I mean, not off topic and like, this is our podcast, so we can like talk about whatever, but like, it's not one of the explicit themes. Like that's the whole like dissident, it's the city in order. It's like, you know, the, the Americans, the spy episode is what this episode is. But right. like, it makes me wonder in the Star Trek universe, in the 24th century, where we see that people can relatively simply speaking seemingly be surgically altered right the idea of like the malleability of like identity that is there and like that like isn't i mean the fact that isn't explored more is like star trek being a product of its own time right but like i'm wondering if that's something that then maybe kind of modern star trek can maybe be more open to exploring and like again i don't think i necessarily want it to use a like aliens of the week solely as allegory because even though that is like very star right. trek i think allegory has its its, its well, they limits had, um, in the first episode of strange new world they had um some characters surgically altered and they did not discuss this really at all either didn't they that's right that's right yeah they that weird gene splicing thing yeah um or that gene therapy thing yeah right. it's just and i mean yeah, i guess okay like i remembered us having it recently and i was like it's on that pi- it was that pilot definitely when they were going to get yeah. um una and then there was the una episode where they're talking about that like you know genetic modifications and like you know the mm-hmm. stuff being outlawed post the eugenics wars yeah and like things like that um listeners put a pin in in that topic for for a later day for us to to talk about maybe maybe not 
wink, wink, wink. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, I think there's like some untapped story potential there, right? And like, I don't know, good, bad, or indifferent. And maybe I hope this isn't one of those like, like I said, those monkey paw moments where we get some really hand-fisted alien like, you know, trans allegory around the corner that's like problematic because we we spoken into the universe and like you know <laughs> dancing not dancing around it but like yeah exactly there's my hubris <laughs> coming out um <laughs> you you are so important that if, if like anyone writes an episode they're gonna be like it's you know matt said it's all my, matt's fault like in the corner <laughs> Star Trek will start to have a mea culpa for like hiring that fake indigenous person to be the cultural consultant for all the <laughs> ham-fisted racist shit they put in with Chakotay oh and Voyager. That they'll yes. do some really like ham-fisted like fake indigenous person like episode that'll be problematic or something. I guess like, I guess that's like the danger of what I'm talking. What I'm kind of like talking about here is having story potential, but like yeah, I think there's like something there and i'd be curious i think i would be curious for <laughs> for star trek to do something with that um all right at least i don't know about you but we've been chatting for a little bit um and yeah i'm i'm feeling kind of quenched i need my thirst quenched so who are you thirsting for this week on the altair water thirst quencher I'm kind of into everything that Garrick's doing in this episode, especially when he's like, Major, I don't think I've seen you look so ravishing. Um, I just love compliments, so that was just very exciting for me. <laughs> Please tell me I'm wonderful, and then, you know, we'll see what happens next. Nice. <laughs> what about you? Um, uh, I like, I feel like with all our whole talk about this and, you know, the body dysmorphia of it all, I feel like a little weird saying this, but like, I think the Nile Visitor is going to be incredibly attractive in no matter what prosthetic they (laughs) put her in. Like, I think zombie, the Nile Visitor would still probably do it for me. I mean, she has really nice eyes and those are going to come through regardless of your makeup. Yeah. Yeah. What about the most Star Trek thing of the episode? Uh, first, apologies if you're hearing fireworks. Um, that is something that happens in the United States on July 4th. Not to date us, but yeah, it's going to go for a while. Um, I, I think the fact that at the end of the episode... Did you ask me what my most Star Trek thing was? <laughs> Yes, I did. Okay. Skip. Okay. Cool. Um, probably me wondering what happens next. Like, does Kira report that Lagat's daughter is like on Bajor somewhere to the Bajoran leadership? Like, she, like Kira knows there's a spy. <laughs> does she tell anyone? But so basically, the fact that like we'll never get follow up on on any of that is the most Star Trek thing for me. What about you? Yeah, I I think it's similar. I think that too that we have seemingly this like character has this new like Kira has this potential like Bail Organa surrogate adopted father thing because obviously Kira's an orphan, as she's you know talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, that we may like never see again. It's like this character has life changing experience and then it's like 
never yeah. referenced again. That just feels like very Star Trek to me, but it's also very of its time. It's kind right? of interesting. So. Like, is he gonna be like her Doctor Mora? <laughs> Probably not. I just feel like Cardassians and the guy and Doctor Mora have similar hairstyles. That's all. I mean, the thing with Doctor Moira, Moira, Moira is that you know he's got the whole like. I was a scientist that was working during the Cardassian occupation, but I was just doing science. But I was yeah. also working during the Cardassian occupation. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. 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 On that note. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well as at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch us together on Twitter and Instagram at PodWraiths, and you can also email us at PodWraiths at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And as always, thank you again to our editor, Melissa. Until next time, computer and program. Bye.